Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. Happy Easter, Swerve Church. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share in God's word with us on this Resurrection Sunday. We've been in a teaching series called Sincerely Paul. And in this series, we've been working our way uh, verse by verse through the book of Philippians. And what we've learned so far is that Philippians isn't actually a book, uh, but, but a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to his dear friends in Philippi from his imprisonment. And on this special Easter Sunday, I wanted us to jump just a little bit ahead in our study because in chapter two of Philippians, Paul turns poet and he includes a special hymn or poem in his letter to his friends in Philippi. And what we see in this poem is an absolutely powerful depiction and declaration of who Jesus is. You know, perhaps some of you came on here today with questions about Jesus Maybe you came with doubts about Jesus. Maybe maybe you want to know, what what is the big deal about Jesus? On this Resurrection Sunday, this is a beautiful text to find ourselves in and to join Paul in this declaration. And I think that this passage is going to help us see the beauty, the majesty, and the humility of Christ. So here's what I got for you today. Really simple. I've got four truths about Jesus from Paul's poem. Here's number one. The first thing is that Jesus is God. Here's how Paul uh, writes it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. You know, over the years, there have been many claims about Jesus. Some claim that Jesus was simply a very gifted teacher and communicator. After all, he used stories and parables and anecdotes. He knew how to captivate audiences with his powerful words. But here's the thing. Jesus taught that all of the scriptures testify about him as the Messiah, that he was the long-awaited king to establish not an earthly kingdom, but the kingdom of God. And if he was making this up, then that would be what we call false doctrine. Would you call someone who teaches wrong or misleading information a good teacher? Some people say that Jesus was simply a good prophet. Well, among of what Jesus said of himself, he prophesied on multiple occasions about his death and resurrection, that he would be betrayed and executed, and that he would return. He said that in three days he would rebuild the temple. And he was talking about not a temple that was built by human hands, rather a greater temple where God would dwell with his people everywhere and at all times. And if Jesus lied about that or got it wrong, that wouldn't make him a good prophet, right? If he wasn't the fulfillment of those statements, then that would make him a false prophet, maybe even a lunatic. Guys, Jesus wasn't merely a great teacher or a great philosopher. Jesus wasn't simply a great prophet. This is not the claim Jesus made of himself, and this is certainly not the claim Paul is making in his poem. Paul says, Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. And this is what sets us apart from all other major world religions. We do not pray to saints. We don't pray to idols or a pantheon of gods or make sacrifices upon shrines. 
We pray to, we worship, and we eagerly await the return of the God-man Jesus Christ. Paul's poem opens up with this fact that we worship, we pray to, we glorify, we magnify Jesus who is God. And maybe you came today with some of these misconceptions or misunderstandings or questions of Jesus. I pray that you might see him today as God. But then Paul goes on to say that Jesus' equality with God was not something that he exploited or took advantage of. In other words, that though he was equal to God, he didn't take advantage of it. He didn't abuse his power. What does that mean? Here's the second truth about Jesus. That is that Jesus is humble. For most people, when offered opportunities of power or status or promotion, we're tempted to use that power for self-satisfaction, for prideful purposes, to satisfy our own personal agenda. That's why so many people enter into positions of leadership, whether political, social, or vocational, and unfortunately even in church, and they abuse their power. How often do we hear about people who exploit their influence in positions of, of authority? but not Jesus. He did not exploit, abuse, or take advantage of his equality with God. Instead, Paul goes on to say in verse 7, Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let me give you guys a little bit of a context to, what, to, to the time when Paul is penning this letter to the Philippians. At this time, Rome is being ruled by Nero. Nero was the fifth emperor of Rome. He was the Caesar of Paul's day, and he was a ruthless and prideful ruler. Nero was a tyrant who would eliminate whoever stood in his path. This even included murdering his own mother and stepbrother. He was known to have taken Christians and set them on fire to light his garden. This guy was cruel. And it is into this context that Paul juxtaposes the emperor Nero to a greater king. But this king is not looking out for his own good, but for the good of others. This king is not looking to take advantage of others for selfish gain or selfish reasons, but instead he looks to serve others. Look at the entirety of Jesus' ministry in the Gospels, and what you will see is that he was completely selfless. He always considered the need of others before self. And in no other world religion do we see a God so madly in love with his creation that he would enter into his own creation. And this is what we see in Jesus. Jesus' humility is simply unmatched. And then to not only enter his own creation, but to be mocked and rejected and ridiculed and brutally attacked and murdered by his own creation. But Paul says that Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is what we remember on Good Friday, that Jesus humbled himself, that he willingly endured the cross. That horrific punishment, the lashes on his body, the crown of thorns impaled into his skull, the nail-pierced hands and feet, and the pain and punishment should have been ours. We rightly deserve the wrath of God, our sin, for our sin and waywardness. We merit the full extent of God's punishment, but in humility, Jesus steps in and absorbs the wrath of God for us. And in a world that is so succumbed by pride, that lives for glorification of self, which motives always skew towards self-interest, Jesus instead is humble. And it is because of Christ's humility that we can be forgiven of our sin. Because Jesus bared my cross, he lay in my grave. Because of him, my sins are released off of me. But here's the thing, Jesus is humble. 
But he's no pushover. The Easter narrative does not end with the funeral. No, it begins with an execution, but it ends with the resurrection. And this is the third truth in Paul's song, that Jesus is alive. You see, guys, because Jesus is God, God has the power over life and death. There is no grave deep enough that he cannot climb out of. There is no stone heavy enough that he cannot roll away. There is no enemy whose head he cannot crush. The Easter narrative journeys with Christ to the cross. It continues with the funeral procession to the tomb, but its climax is not the death of Jesus because on the third day, Christ conquered the grave. Jesus conquered Satan's sin and death. This is what the scriptures say. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Jesus crushed the serpent's head and he rose from the dead. This is why Paul's poem goes on to say in verse 9, for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. Jesus is highly exalted. He is no longer buried. He is no longer hidden behind the walls of a tomb. Jesus is alive and well. Not only that, but he has the name that is above every name. It is at the name of Jesus that Satan trembles. It is at the name of Jesus that the enemy flees. It is at the name of Jesus that sins are forgiven, that lives are made new, that addictions are broken, that we experience freedom from the sin that has us in bondage, that we can be called children of God and that we are made righteous. Guys, we do not serve a God that is dead. We do not worship an inanimate object or a statue. We do not simply revere an idea, philosophy, or feeling. Jesus is alive. We worship a risen Savior. And guess what? He is in the power of resurrection. As we saw and experienced today in our worship experience, watching people go public with their faith in Jesus, He continues to resurrect because the resurrected King is resurrecting me and He is resurrecting you. Lastly, the fourth truth of Jesus from Paul's poem is number four, that Jesus is Lord. And here's how Paul says it in verse 10 and 11. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus has the ultimate, the ultimate authority. He has all power, glory, and honor. In Paul's song, he says that one day every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And if you're here today and you have not bowed in humble submission to Jesus, if you have not confessed with your lips, do not be mistaken. Don't get it twisted. Jesus is Lord and he will be worshiped. The question is not whether or not you will do so. The question is a matter of when. Will you do so now or when it's too late? To confess Jesus Christ as Lord is to say that all authority in heaven and earth have been given to him. To confess Jesus Christ as Lord is to say that you do not simply belong to self, that you respond to a higher being, that you live for a greater purpose than self. To confess Jesus Christ as Lord is to admit that you are absolutely incapable of saving yourself, but that you utterly and desperately depend on Christ to atone for your sin. To confess Jesus Christ as Lord is to say that you no longer live for self, that you obey Him and that you follow His words and that you submit to Him. Here's the question that you're challenged to wrestle with today. Is Jesus your Lord? Many of us struggle because we want a Burger King Jesus. You go to Burger King and you order the way you want it. Hold the onions, 
extra pickles, please. Supersize the fries, but only a medium drink. And that's what you're looking for, right? Jesus, can, can I have this part of you? Oh, I really like that. Can, can you give me an extra side of grace? But can you hold on to the forgive others as I have forgiven you? Can, can you hold the submit to biblical community and leadership? Can, can you hold the molding my character to be more like Christ? Hold that, please. And, and I'll take that to go real quick. Many of us want a customizable Jesus that fits our preferences, our cultural understanding, our likes, our predispositions. But if Jesus is Lord, that means that you are not. However, if Jesus is Lord, that means that your sins can be forgiven. It means that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is the wrath of God absorbed by Jesus on your behalf. It means that His resurrection is your victory. That His power over the grave is your freedom from the grip of sin. That His risen life is, the, is your risen life and the promise of eternity secured. So how can you experience all of this? How can you be a partaker of God's gift of grace made available in Jesus? That's simple. I didn't say easy. I said it's simple. Is by putting your faith in Jesus. It's confessing Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you're here today and you have yet to put your faith in Jesus, what better day and moment than to do so right now, this moment on Resurrection Sunday, right there where you are, this is a decision between you and God. Can you say, Lord, I acknowledge my sin. I recognize my need for a Savior. I know that I'm incapable of saving myself. I need you, a humble King and Savior. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you all of me. I surrender it all to you. And if you can say that prayer, let me tell you that God is mighty to save. And God perhaps has brought you right here to this place at this time, at this moment, for this right here. Accept God's gift of grace made available through Jesus right now. And so God, I pray for those that are on the fence. Lord, I pray that you would help them to see Jesus as God. Thank you for the example of humility that we see in Christ. And we praise God that Jesus is alive. Would you bring dry bones and dead bones to life today? Jesus, you are Lord. We believe it. We proclaim it. The risen Savior continues to resurrect lives here and now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?